Hey y'all, welcome to Is That Too Dark? I'm Nikki. And I'm Kaylin. And let's dive into some darkness. Welcome back everyone to Is That Too Dark? First, before we begin, I'd like to thank everyone who has been so supportive on our episodes. Yeah, we're already halfway to our goal, guys. I know. I mean, we're waiting for Bill Bar to sponsor us. Still, but... We will be for a while, I think. But I think we'll get there because I have 80 bars now in my collection. Um, even just a promo code for me would be nice. I think we're sponsoring them still, but maybe the roles will switch eventually. I'm, we're always going to sponsor them, yeah. but... I wanted to let you all know, we hear your feedback. Yes, Caitlin was a little quiet. We're working on it. I'm I think on top of my microphone this time, you guys, I don't know what else to do. Right. And I think in general, I talk louder. So I'm going to try to talk a little bit more quiet. But yes, every single person was very nice. But that was the one feedback point everyone told me. Yeah. I was like, okay, okay. But make sure you guys tell a friend, you keep listening. Um, and let's talk some current news. Yeah, dude, let's do it. But we decided that we can't really call it current news because we pre-record as professionals. So it's probably like about two weeks old when you guys do eventually hear it. So we're just going to call it like crime news, current things happening. No, not current. Things crime in the crime news. world that happened. Within the last month. Yeah. So this will be like September news. So since this is my episode, what do you have for me in crime news today? Okay, so I am actually... I learned a lot uh, researching this one. Um, I I'm so proud of you for learning. I can. I wanted to tell the story of Janae Gagne. She is an influencer and um, Fashion Nova model. She goes by the name Miss Mercedes Moore on her social media accounts, um, of which she has many. Um, she was 33 years old, and she was recently found dead in her apartment in Richmond, Texas. Um, a man named Kevin Accordo was also found dead in her apartment, and the police believe it to be a murder-suicide. The interesting thing about it, though, is there was no clear relationship between Gagne and Accordo. I was going to ask, are they dating? They're not dating, but Janae's sister, London, claims that this man was stalking Janae. Um, she had an OnlyFans account. She had an Instagram. She had all these other social media accounts, and they think that this man was one who had been stalking her in the past. Um, so uh, the police performed a welfare check on the 31st of August, 2021, and the cause of death was found to be strangulation and traumatic concussion. I've never um, heard that before. I've never heard of a traumatic concussion being a cause of death unless yeah. it like caused her to bleed out. That's the only thing I can think of. But um, a cordo, reportedly died of multiple sharp force trauma. Um, I, he, he stabbed himself repeatedly until he died. But the interesting thing about this is there's conflicting accounts about who found the bodies. Um, according to NBC, it was the police that found them during that welfare check. But according to the Daily Mail, um, it was actually Gagne's dad, Mark, and he found Accordo still alive in the house. And when he kicked the door in, Accordo gave himself that fatal stab in the neck. So um, how long do do they know how long he was in there? They're not sure. They said it has to have been at least a couple of days. Um, he wrote all over the walls with her lipstick, like, I wish I never loved her. I should have stayed in Florida. 
there was blood everywhere. Like it looked like there was clearly a struggle. Um, but it's obviously still a developing story. Um, they only just got the cause of death, but it's gotten a lot of media attention. And I actually want to shout out my girl Cardi. Um, she stepped in. Cardi B. Cardi B, girl. Uh, yeah. I was like, Bodak, yeah, is there like, another one? I don't think so. Um, because the media or the social media um, feedback was like, oh, she brought this on herself for having an OnlyFans account. And gross. It, gross. Exactly. We've talked about this with you guys before. Like, we're not here to yuck your yum or whatever. But at the same time, like, women are empowered to do what they want to be doing. And as as they're not I, hurting anyone else. I think with how the news has been lately, like with Texas, and that's a whole nother conversation. But I think forever, you know, women have been suppressed by men, the patriarchy, and I think it's going to continue. Honestly, I feel like until a lot of people die, like yeah. just in honesty, because I feel like our generation and like millennials and Gen Z are teaching their kids to be different. But until the old farts die, like our parents and our grandparents, policymakers, policy yeah. yeah. like honestly, there has to be a cutoff. I mean, this is such a side tangent, but at 78, why do you get to decide things? Right. You're not going to be here to see if I have children anyway. Exactly. So let me not have them. Like you've already ruined them. the planet. Why are we ruining me? You know? Right. But yeah, I think that's just going to be a thing for a long time, sadly. But sites like OnlyFans and stuff make sex work safe. Right. Or and safer. Safer. And they make it less stigmatized too. Yeah, I for say. sure. And it's, you know, this is something that's been around since the start of time. There's always been people selling. It's the oldest profession. Right, it is. And I think that even now in 2021, the fact that this is still an argument, but it's still something that these old white males are engaging in on the side. Like if you have have access to porn, you're probably watching it, right? So don't demonize someone for giving you that content and then blame her for her own suicide murder situation. Well, she was murdered, right? She was murdered, um, and Accordo killed himself. Um, so he was a stalker, pretty much. That's the. Thing. I have not heard no anything about this. That. Yeah, it's weird. I literally never use my Facebook anymore, and I was scrolling through and saw this article, and I was like, "Oh, I'm gonna look into that." Um, I think I have like a special soft spot for crimes involving women, especially when it has to do with not even like a crime of passion. He had no connection to her other yeah. than he's seen her on social media. So. That's all I have about that right now, but yeah, I'm that's really sad. I mean, I they figure out more. They'll figure out more, most likely. But I think too, I haven't seen it on the news or anything or anywhere because sex workers typically don't get a lot of media attention, even people that have a social media presence, which is so unfortunate. So I'm glad you brought this up, and I'm glad we gave a light and a voice to Janae. Um, and I do hope that I mean there isn't much obviously justice to be done because that coward also killed himself. But I hope that this, you know, is a story that people think about and remember her. Absolutely. She deserves it. All right. You ready to get into my case for the day? Yeah, girl. All right. Let's go. Hmm. So today I'm going to tell you about the case of Jennifer Pan. Oh my God. I love this one. I'm so excited to hear your take on it. I, how you like, like the psychology of murder, Mm -hmm. which I do too, but I really, some, the most murders I feel like that kind of hit me and like make me think about them a lot is involved in the family yeah absolutely not like husband killing wife though because i feel like that's just like whatever but it's like when children kill their parents or when parents kill their children i'm really just like perplexed because as an adult now i'm 24 i've lived with my parents well not in in the same house with them for you know till i was like 22 now i live on my own but i'm like i don't know what they could do to make me want to kill them right like is there anything my parents could do i mean maybe again the whole nature versus nurture we talked about in episode two but like 
I don't know. They've pissed me off a lot, but to be like, oh, I'm going to kill you. Like, yeah. And maybe my parents are just more chill, but we're going to go on probably a lot of little side tangents like we do best about our upbringing because this made me think a lot about it. Absolutely. And probably the way you were raised too. So are you ready? I'm ready. All right. So Jennifer Pan was born on June 17th. So a Gemini like me. Wow. 1986 to Bic and Han Pan. Um, Bic and Han were both born and raised in Vietnam and immigrated to Canada as refugees. Bic and Han got married and settled in Scarborough, Canada. The couple had two children, Jennifer in 1986 and then Felix in 1989. So very typical family, you know, two kids. I don't think they had a dog, but white big offense. Felix is a cute name too. That Felix is a really cute name. Um, and now obviously I don't know Bic and Han, but I think they, you know, probably moved to Canada to live a better life. As you do, yeah. as most people do. You know, they moved to America for a better life. They moved to Canada for a better life. So they probably wanted more for their lives as well as their children. They would eventually have. Um, we're just going to call it the Canadian dream for for this episode. Oh, my God. I am going to have to learn the national anthem for that. Oh, Canada. Oh, Canada. That's Can all you leave this in, I'm going to leave it in okay. for sure. Uh, then I'm going to get my record contract. Oh, yeah. Great. We'll definitely get listeners. Okay. Anyways. They both worked at an auto parts manufacturer called Magna International. Um, now, they want a better life for themselves and their children, so they worked really hard for their money and were pretty frugal with their money, but their efforts paid off when they bought a nice family home in 2004 in Markham, a suburb of North Toronto. Um, they put both, they put a lot of pressure on themselves to succeed, and they also put a lot of pressure on their children. Jennifer was enrolled in piano lessons and figure skating at the age of four. Oh, wow. Must have been a great environment for mental health. Before, <laughs> lots of pressure. Um, Jennifer really wanted to be an Olympic figure skater, and her parents obviously supported that um, and probably pushed her super hard at that. But an injury to her knee would end her figure skating career before she was ever able to really fulfill her dream. I think as like a teenager. So then at that point, she had to find you know an outlet elsewhere to do things and have hobbies. Um, so she focused her energy on school and playing the flute. I don't know what happened to the piano. She might have continued the piano. But Jennifer attended Mary Ward Catholic Secondary School. Um, I want to touch more on Bick and Han before we continue with Jennifer because I think the way your parents raise you does have a lot to do with who you are as a person. Um, but Bick and Han were described as tiger parents. Do you know what that is? Oh, God, yeah. That's one of my favorite descriptions of people. Yeah. yeah. So if you don't know what tiger parenting is, because I knew like the gist of it, but not full tiger parenting. Um, it's a parenting style that is very strict. Tiger parents push their children to excel in academics and any extracurricular activities they participate in. Tiger parenting is very common in Asian families. Um, Jennifer's friend, Karen, described Han as a classic tiger parent and said that Bic was a reluctant participant. So definitely the father was more dominant in it from what her friend sees. We obviously don't know what actually went on inside the home, but from what her friend saw. Reluctant or not, Bic did not stop Han from being very controlling over his children. Um, and I'm sure she also pushed her children to do their best because I think they were raised probably that way. And it's a generational thing. At least, I don't know. I'm a white person, so my experience is different. But I know my friends who are, you know, Asian American definitely 
had more pressure than I did. Well, and I think you have to, it's exactly what you said. When you're looking at generational differences, they're the first generation born mm -hmm. in Canada. Yeah. So their family has all the traditional values that they brought over from Vietnam, but now they're trying to not necessarily acclimate or anything like that, but fit in where they chose to live and give their kids the best chance of being successful. And sometimes that means like there is no room for error. You are for the... Sure the trophy or you know the what's the word i'm looking for the pinnacle right yeah. you are the representation of asian people in this city because there's probably not very many so. for sure no you're completely right there so um it's said that jennifer's parents monitored her every move dropping her off and picking her up from school not allowing her to date and participate in any school events because they saw that all as a distraction Despite her parents controlling Jennifer's life, um, she was said to not be living up to their expectations anyways. In high school, Jennifer earned very average grades, usually Bs and Cs. These grades would not be acceptable to her parents. So this is, I think, where Jennifer's like lies started to begin. Yeah. Um, and there definitely was a lot of them. So let's get into her lies, at least that she started with in high school. Okay, so in high school, since she was making B's and C's, she started to fake her report cards um, where she magically turned her B's and C's into A's. Oh, no. Jennifer reportedly wasn't too worried about her grades in early high school career because colleges only look at the last two years of high school. Um, I'm sure she told herself that she would like turn her grades around in time and her parents would never know, right? But we all know lying is a very slippery slope, and this would just be the beginning of a very long career of lying to our parents. My grandma always said that it's better to tell the truth than to lie. Did you ever lie about your grades? Not about my grades, no. I never really needed to, though. Was, school was easy for me. School wasn't easy for me because I, I didn't care, I think. It, I was very average, but I just don't think I ever cared to lie about my yeah. grades. You know exactly. what I mean? Like I was just like, whatever. Also, I think my parents my brother was so smart or is so smart academically that I, unless I was a 4.0 student too, I wouldn't have chalked up to it. And I think at a young age, my parents like knew like, oh, she's just going to be okay. And that's fine. You know, the story that I think about a lot. And I only remember this because I was told it probably because I have memory loss from it is my parents put up an electric fence around like plants. So my dog wouldn't get into it. Um, and my dad was like, yeah, go touch it. And I touched it and shocked myself. And I think at that age probably is when my parents were like, yeah, she's not the brightest bulb, but. You just got bright though. You electrocuted yourself. I electrocuted myself and I'm still here to tell the story. You know, there's a lot of things that I hear about my childhood. I'm like, hmm, interesting. Makes sense, Makes sense how I turned out this way. But yeah, I never had to lie about it because I truly, I don't think cared that much. I was like, I don't care. I don't really want to be in school. What was my goals? None of them. But that's a whole, that's a conversation for a different time. And now I'm making a podcast. So. But unfortunately for Jennifer, she didn't turn her grades around towards the end of high school. Um, her average grades, she still earned early admission to Ryerson University in Toronto. She was fulfilling all of Bick and Han's dreams for her. Han was so proud of her. He bought her a laptop as a congratulatory gift. Um, she was truly their golden child, as they put it, which again, I was not the golden child in the family. That was my brother. I feel like that often falls to the oldest, yeah. to be honest with you. Thank God. Thank God for that, because it wasn't me. But now I am because I'm prettier than him. So in our podcast. Um Jennifer couldn't keep it together long enough though to earn her early admission in 12th grade, her final year of high school. She failed calculus, which I didn't even get to calculus. Um Same. 
Yeah. I just got to the one that made me graduate. Instead of admitting this to her parents and all, literally all she would have to have done at this point was take a summer course. And she could have still gotten in just a normal admission in fall. That's all she had to do. Um, she just decided to continue to lie though. No summer course needed for her. But I always wonder, like, reading more about this, is if she would have told her parents this now, what would have happened? You know, yeah. if she would have been like, yes, I lied. I My early admission got revoked, but I am still able to go as long as I finish calculus. I wonder. Do you feel like that was the turning point for them? I don't think it's a turning point for her because I just think she always thought she'd get away with it. But eventually these lies are – they have to catch up to her, right? Yeah. So she didn't want to face the consequences of her parents being mad. Um she gra- graduates, quote unquote, high school, but she doesn't graduate. Since she failed calculus, she had didn't have the qualifications. Um, so all again, all she had to do was take the summer class, but she said no. So Ryerson University rescinded their early admissions offer. Now she has no college plans and she doesn't have a high school diploma. I don't really know how she told her parents that not to come to the graduation for high school. Um, I know in college she said there wasn't enough tickets. So I don't know if she tried to use that same lie, but her parents, you know, again, this isn't like their cultural norm. So I'm sure maybe they just believed it, right? And Jennifer had never done anything at this point to lose her parents' trust, right? So they took a word for it, I'm sure. Um, So she never took her summer course. What did she do this summer after high school? Who really knows? Um, But she then fall begins college at Ryerson University. Her college plans were to study science um, for two years before transferring to the University of Toronto to study to be a pharmacist, except remember she doesn't have a high school diploma. So how'd she get into college? She didn't. She's not in school. Um, Instead, she's spending her time at cafes or with friends. No plans to finish high school or get her life together. Just vibing out. Was she working? Not that I ever read about. Gotcha. But what she would do is buy fake books and study just enough to tell her parents about what she was learning. So she was learning. But... You know what I mean? Like she's making these lies work for her and she'll go home and be like, oh, in this class, I learned this and this and this. And her parents are like, cool, cool, cool. Amazing. It's like going through all the effort. Just so the learning. much don't effort. It's like when your mom's like, did you clean your room? And you're like, yeah, but don't go look at it. Yeah. It's, and so then she told her parents she got scholarships and grants, which means they don't have to pay for it. So the parents stopped asking questions about that. She would make fake certificates for all this, by the way. Like, she'd be like, look at this scholarship I earned. Wow. And her parents would be so proud of her. And again, all the effort she puts into it, it's like, you could have just put this effort into finishing calculus. Or not even, if, if she's great at creating fake certificates, here you go. You can do, you know, Photoshop. You can oh do my God. web design. That was big in that time. Like, yeah. Well, a few years have gone by now. And her, she has amazing news for her parents, Okay. Amazing. She got into pharmacology program at the University of Toronto. Great. Han's dreams for Jennifer were coming true because he really wanted her to pursue a career of being a pharmacist because Asian parents or tiger parents typically want their children to be something very specific, right? So it's usually doctors, engineers, something that'll make them money typically, very successful. Um, Which I always think back to like when I was in college, like I always told my parents I was going to be a nurse. Didn't end up that way. But again, I don't think communication studies was where they thought I was going to go. Like, okay, so instead of nurse, you'll go, you know. They were like, what are you going to do with it? And I was like, nothing. Who knows? But it wasn't anything where I had to like freakishly lie, like lie about freakishly, freakishly lie, make up so many lies about it. So she's in pharmacology school. Her parents are so excited. Um, She's in her early 20s at this point. 
She still hasn't graduated high school. She's still lying her way through life. And she is living with her parents. Um, this is very common in their culture. So it might be weird. People are like, oh, I move it at 18. But this is very common in a lot of cultures to kind of live with your parents until you get married. Um, but the University of Toronto was not super close to her family home. So she asked her parents if she could stay with a friend who lived in Toronto just a few days a week. So it was less commute for her. Her parents being super proud of her and they really, you know, in the past few years had nothing that's broken their trust, agreed. So she now has more freedom um, than she's probably ever had in her life. But where do you think Jennifer was actually staying? It has to be a dude's house. It's not her friend because she lies about everything in her life. She's staying with her boyfriend, Daniel Wong. Jennifer and Daniel met in high school. Daniel is part of the part Chinese, part Filipino. Um, So I'm sure they had very similar upbringings. Vic and Han did not approve of this relationship. So most of their time together has been in secret. So obviously they probably knew about it in high school and they weren't a fan. And I think they probably weren't going to be a fan of any male because again, as we mentioned earlier, it's a distraction. It's a waste of time. So they have a secret relationship, which I, I've never been in a secret relationship, but I could see that being like those emotions go up higher because it's a secret. Ooh, spicy. Um, but Daniel was honestly kind of a loser. He had worse grades than Jennifer in high school, getting kicked out of Mary Ward Catholic School and transferring to Cardinal Charter Academy. The school transfer didn't break up the couple because they're high school sweethearts. Right, they're, they're in love. Daddy, I love him. After high school, Daniel moved to Toronto and studied at York University. Um, he's also reportedly been a drug dealer, primarily selling marijuana. I don't think Jennifer's parents knew the relationship um, past high school. Again, it wasn't really brought up much. If they did, she never mentioned it when talking to police or anything past that. And I get my guess would be if they knew he lived in Toronto, she would not have been able to go to Toronto. Right. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. Um, so she's there multiple times a week. Now we've been lying probably for six, seven, eight years. I think yeah. she's at 23, 24 now. She's been lying since she was 17 or 18. Um, so her lies are about to collapse. Her whole world of lies are about to collapse around her and reality is about to set in. So this is where things take a turn for a worse for Jennifer. Okay. Now timeline wise, it's been a few years. She's been in pharmacology school. It's time for her to graduate university, right? Jennifer told her parents there wasn't enough tickets, so they couldn't go. There's a white coat ceremony because she's graduating from college. There's school. not enough tickets. Apparently, she gave them away to someone else, so it's not a big deal, parents. Don't worry about it. I think this might have been the time where her parents begin to question if she was telling the truth because, again, yeah, there's not enough tickets. You gave them away. For every graduation for, you've ever had. Yeah, so I would start to think this might be the time that they're starting to question it. But, again, okay. She graduates, woohoo. Now college is over. So what comes next? I guess she's gonna go be a pharmacist. She has to go be a pharmacist. Right. So she told her parents that she was volunteering for the hospital of sick children. That is what it's actually called. So the hospital of sick children goes by sick kids. It's a huge teaching hospital in Toronto that offers pediatric care. Vic and Han were thrilled to learn of their daughter volunteering at this hospital as it gives her a lot of connections for her future career. Um, but then they started to question her volunteering. They noticed she never had a uniform. She didn't have a hospital ID. So Bic was like, what is going on? So she started following Jennifer to work. Remember in high school, they followed her. Um, then she moved to Toronto, gave her some freedom, but Bic's going back to her old ways. She's like, I'm going to start following her. 
Um, Jennifer notices that Vic is following her. So she, you know, runs into the hospital, will sit in the emergency room for hours because Vic will just wait outside and wait for her to come in and out. Um, but Vic is smarter than her um, and caught on to her lie. So Jennifer decided, oh no, yeah, I don't work here. Um, and then she had to admit to more things. So she had to admit she wasn't attending to University of Toronto and was not going to be a pharmacist. Um, but she didn't admit to never attending Ryerson University and never graduating high school. So she gave up part of the lie, but not the whole lie. What did she tell? She just told them that she didn't go to the University of Toronto. She didn't get in, basically. But what did they think that she was doing? Did she have, like, an alibi or something instead? I don't know. I mean, I think she's just like, hey, for the past few years I've been lying to you, but don't worry. I still have a degree from one establishment, right? Um, so at 24, Bick and Han's golden child was nothing more than a high school dropout and a liar. But again, they don't know that part. They just know she's not a pharmacist and there's still time, right? You could still be a pharmacist, but Han was so angry. He tried to throw her out of the house. Um, and I really don't blame him for that. The one only good thing about this case is that she didn't take their money for college. She lied and said there were scholarships. So there's one good thing about her. Decent thing. Not even a good thing. Just right. decent that she wasn't stealing thousands of dollars. Um... So, you know, he, she's been lying to them for over eight years. But again, they just think it's this pharmacology school. Vic would not let Han kick Jennifer out. She may be angry with Jennifer, but at the end of the day, that's her daughter. Um, any little bit of freedom that Jennifer had that was gone. Her parents went back to monitoring her 24-7. They took her phone and laptop away. She had to break up with Daniel, start applying for colleges, and basically only was allowed to leave the house when she went to work as a piano teacher. Han was so against the relationship with Daniel, he told her that he could be, she could be with him once he was dead. So he's encouraging necrophilia on top of the line, or? He has to be dead before she can date okay. Daniel. Fair. That's how mad he is. Oh, Daniel doesn't have to be dead. No, 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 no. Gotcha. Okay, I took that oh, sorry. In a different direction. Han has to be dead. Gotcha. So once Han dies, she can be with Daniel. Over my dead body type of dating thing. Gotcha. I don't know how well they knew Daniel, um, but they probably know enough about him. And I feel like in those communities, you know, they know more. I'm sure word has gone wrong about Daniel Wong. So Jennifer posted on her Facebook that her punishment was like house arrest. Um, but the saying strict parents create sneaky kids reigns very true. She's 24. Daniel and Jennifer continue their relationship, but we're even more secretive, which I don't know how much more secretive we can be. Um, but Daniel became tired of this and broke up with Jennifer so now Jennifer's heartbroken. Um, and of course, who does she blame? Mm -hmm. Most likely her parents, right? And then, of course, Daniel starts dating a new girl named Christine. And Jennifer was pissed. Yeah. I mean, her life is not going the way she thought, right? She's pissed at her parents for punishing her and now pissed at Daniel for dumping her. And what is she what is she to do, right? At this point, this is a critical point in her life. So what can we do? We can turn things around. But again, she doesn't even have a high school diploma or a college degree. So this is going to take years. Or we can do what Jennifer does. Um, and she's going to win Daniel back. She's going to put all her energy into getting her mans back. Because this real winner just, she needs him. That's what she needs. It's the love of her life. So how is she going to win him back, right? What does Jennifer do best? Lying. So Daniel and Jennifer were still communicating from time to time. During one of these times, Jennifer told Daniel a horrible, horrible story. If it were true. She told him that someone broke into her house by pretending to be a police officer. Once the fake police got inside, multiple other men also entered the house, and then she was gang raped. 
After this incident, a bullet was mailed to her, and she told Daniel this was all orchestrated by Christine. I'm not trying to be speechless, but I have nothing to say to that. That's yeah. the worst lie you can tell is that you were raped because by multiple men. It's already impossible to get people to take you seriously. Yeah. And so she's going to use that to mm -hmm. win back her drug dealing mm -hmm. boyfriend. Yeah. Great. And Christine did it, and she apparently has proof. Um, so Daniel, I don't know, believed her because he broke up with Christine and now he's back with Jennifer. Um, again, it's not true. So it's, it would be very sad if it were true and say Christine was that much of a monster, but I think the only monster in this scenario is Jennifer. Um, but it's not true. So that's why we can be speechless and be like, wow, this is ridiculous. Right. Um, but so they're back together. Jennifer's pissed still though. So she gets her man back, but her parents still won't let her do anything. Right. She wants freedom. She wants to be her own person, live her own life. Um, but she thinks there's only one way she can get her freedom. So in my opinion, I'm like, you're 24. If you want to be an adult, move out, leave, break ties with your parents, but you have no money. You don't have a high school diploma. So what are you going to do? I don't know. But she could have at this point dipped, right? Legally, she's allowed to dip. You're going to be broke, but you can live with Daniel. Or literally anything else if you're that but miserable. You know what else she'd probably be really good at? being her own boss oh my god joining yes. a pyramid scheme she she's is such a liar and she's obviously a good liar that would be a perfect career opportunity for her but she doesn't because um i think she's very lazy so she decides it's time she's got to figure it out her parents need to die jennifer with the help of daniel begin to plan her parents murder jennifer begins to talk to a high school friend named andrew moitimer um jennifer said has said that in high school, Andrew talked about robbing people at knife point. So naturally, this person will murder her parents for her, right? Mm -hmm. Andrew has since denied the claims of him being a teenage criminal and was not into the idea of killing two innocent people. But he said, hey, I know someone who might do it for her. Ricardo, Dun Ricardo Duncan is described as a goth kid. That's pretty much the only thing I heard from him. He's goth. Okay. Um, that's pretty much all I have on him. But... Jennifer offered him $1,500 to kill her father in the parking lot of his job. Ricardo said, no, thank you. Like, I, I'm very good on that. Um, so Jennifer had to move on to the next person. Jennifer then said, okay, we can splurge on a hitman. We can find someone that can kill my parents because they think once her parents die, they're going to run into all this money, right? Her parents, I mean, make a good living and they save very a lot so they have a decent amount of money saved up and i think she knows this so she thinks she's getting an inheritance basically when her parents die yeah because she's not killing them it's an act you know someone murdered them someone's coming into the house and is gonna murder them and she i wonder if she's still in that mindset of like well i am the golden child like even though i fucked no up, one's gonna them, like well and no one knows that she's fucked up right like i yeah. doubt her parents told anyone right. so all of this yeah it's a perfect family so they find and how do you find a hitman? Um, the dark web? I don't know. I guess. I don't know. I mean, the fact that they found two friends and they were both like, yeah, I'm kind of not into it, you know? But, okay, so we're moving on. So we found Lenford Roy Crawford, and we're giving him $10,000 to kill her parents. Um, again, she thinks she's going to inherit $500,000 once her parents die. So this is a small chunk of change. Once her parents are dead and she gets the money, they're going to live a long and happy life together. Jennifer and Daniel are going to ride off into the sunset um, and do whatever they're going to do. 
But Crawford says, hey, I need some help with this. There's two people. I don't know these people. Um, so he hires two of his friends, Eric, Cardi, and David McLavaham, maybe. Okay, so the hitmen are hired and paid. Um, so now it's go time. On November 8th, 2010, before going to bed, Jennifer unlocks the door. This would allow the men to enter her house without making any noise. Jennifer then contacted David by a burner phone, giving him the go-ahead. David, Linford, and Eric entered the home with guns, found Vic and Hans, and demanded all of their money. During this time, where's Jennifer? Well, they tied her up with shoelaces, um, and she just simply watched sitting on the stairs while her parents were held at gunpoint. The youngest, Pan Felix, was away at school during this time. I feel like we have not talked about him at all, but he's away at school, um, actually going to school. He I'm isn't say, school. Is he? He's going? Yes, he's actually in school. Um, so despite asking for money, the robbers did not allow Bickerhand to go and get anything that they asked for. They just tied them up. The robbers then shot Bick and Han. After shooting Bick and Han, the robbers left, only taking about $3,000. Once the shooting was over, Jennifer managed to free herself from her shoe ties and call 911. She sounds very emotional during the 911 call, and you can hear Han screaming in the background, which means he's not dead. Um, he actually woke up in the basement because they did take him down to the basement before and saw the lifeless body of his wife, ran upstairs, and ran out of the house. He was like, goodbye. Um, a neighbor found him in the street, bloody and screaming, and then also called the police. So now we have two people that have called the police. Upon arrival, the police found a very bloody scene. Vic's injuries were fatal, and Han was quickly transported to the hospital where he was in the ICU and put into a medically induced coma. Jennifer though, was miraculously unharmed. Yeah. And taken to be questioned by the police, um, she told her story that three men broke into her house, tied her up, stole her money, and killed her parents. But her, but her dad's still alive? No, she thinks her parents are dead. Oh, gotcha. So okay. she, I think she saw dad run out. Well, maybe. I don't know where she is at this point. Um, but her parents are dead. So to her, this is a seamless murder we're done and i think you know narcissists always think everyone's going to believe them so she probably thought yeah the police are going to believe this story of me getting tied up with shoe string impossible to break out of those really impossible like she probably doesn't have marks from that um but han lives so when he wakes up from his coma he tells a very different story than what jennifer has said he told the police that during the robbery he saw jennifer talking to one of the robbers like they were friends he also said that she was not tied up at all and was casually walking around the house while they were tied up and taken to the basement. This made the police very suspicious um, because these stories obviously don't match up. The police were also suspicious because the $3,000 stolen, nothing else was taken. The Hans drove luxury cars. I believe it was like a Lexus and a Mercedes. And the keys were just sitting there out in the open. They weren't hidden. They were frugal. Um, savings was very important to them, but they did have nice things in their home. You know, they had the latest technology. They had those kind of things. So why would they only take $3,000 when they had access to vehicles and other items worth money? I'm sure, you know, Bic had nice jewelry. I'm sure Han had nice things too. And they only took $3,000. And left a uh, witness alive and unharmed kind of where I'm at. it wasn't like hey she got shot too it wasn't any of this she was completely fine she didn't even have a bruise on her or a scrape and my whole thing is, is again like she obviously expected her parents to be dead but like we know she's not an actress she's just a liar but like we can't act like we're being tied up and taken to the basement too or something like or anything or not even being the home have a different alibi she didn't think that far because she was very convinced that her parents were going to be dead 
Um, so the police really just couldn't shake the feeling that Jennifer knew more than she was telling them. During their third interview with her, she finally confessed. She confessed, okay, sort of. Oh, getting the pharma, the pharmacy school lie. She's not going to tell the full truth, right? right? So she told the police that she did hire three hitmen. This this did happen, but she didn't want her parents to die. She wanted to die. So kill yourself. Don't. No, no. The police were like. This makes no sense. You're going to pay someone $10,000 to come in and just kill you, not your parents. Okay. So they said, hey, Jennifer, we have access to your phone records and we know you're lying. Because I don't think anyone ever thinks about like phone records. Like even with the burner phone, they're going to find it. Yeah. They're going to find everything. So Jennifer was arrested on November 22nd, 2010. Just two weeks after the crime, Daniel Wong, Lenford Crawford, Eric Carty, and David McGlavaham, maybe, were all arrested on these charges. Yes, I could Google how to say his name, but Google's probably going to be wrong, too. Well, and it's going to be the robot voice. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. Um, the trial of Jennifer and the four men began in March of 2014, four years after the murder of Bick and attempted murder of Han. All five people pled not guilty to first-degree murder, attempted murder, and conspiracy to commit murder. The prosecution, or the crown, as they call it in Canada, Cute had over 100 messages sent between Daniel and Jennifer the night of the crime. They also had over 50 people testify and brought up that Jennifer did not seem emotional at all after the crime. And I feel like, too, probably I didn't listen to the 911 call because, honestly, I don't really like 911 calls, um, especially when I know they're lying. I'm sure, you know, the emotional ones are just them screaming, and it's like, okay, just because your voice is louder does not mean you're any more believable, right? Or the, my mind, like the obvious fake tears. Um, so she she didn't seem at all emotional. Again, everyone grieves in different ways, but you think seeing, you know, blood everywhere in your house and stuff, you'd be very emotional and seeing your dad in a coma, you'd be emotional, but she wasn't. Um, she was not injured or even tied up well. Overall, the crown poked all kinds of holes in a Jennifer story. Jennifer's defense was very weak. They basically just said she tried to cancel the hit, but they wouldn't let her. They also mentioned that Jennifer was extremely abused by her parents. Okay. Emotional abuse, I guess, but even that. Like, but we don't know. Right. We, I mean, in reality, I don't think Felix has ever come out and said anything. We don't know how much they actually did. I just think they were extremely hard on her, and maybe they called her a disappointment when they found out she lied about everything in the world. But we don't know, you know, how abusive they were, if they were abusive. So now... Um, the trial is over. Jennifer, Daniel, David, and Leonard were all found guilty and convicted on December 14, 2014. And since it's a 25 years to life with no possibility of parole for at least 25 years, Eric's trial was postponed due to his lawyer being sick, which is interesting. I feel like that's never happened in America. But when it was time for his trial, Eric had kind of come to his senses and he said, I'm going to plea. So he pled guilty and was convicted to 18 years in prison. Han and Felix, this is very interesting to me, they have a court order against Jennifer, which bans her from ever contacting them. Good. Which is interesting because I know there's another case where the daughter kills her family and he, the dad who lived still talks to her and like sees her. And I just feel like it would be such a hard thing. And you know what's funny is I talked to my dad a few weeks, well, one time I saw him about this, like, how would you feel if your child killed or actually this, we were talking about the Duggars. So, oh, gotcha. um, like molested, you know, your child, like, how do you, cause it's your child, you love them, but how do you ever get past that? How could you get past that? So I think it's very interesting to see like where people take, cause I don't know if I could ever talk to my child that killed my husband and, you know, try to kill me or anything like that. So I don't know. I do think fair dues for that. I think 
she, they're very entitled to not talk to them, obviously. But since the crime, Han's life has never been the same, obviously. They never returned to the family home. Um, Felix moved in order to get away from the crime. Um, Han could no longer work due to his injuries and said that he felt as if his life had ended that night. People close to him have said he suffers from nightmares, anxiety, and so many other things. The only time he's ever spoken, he simply said he hopes his daughter can become a decent human being. Wow, that's that's big. Yeah, and so Jennifer will be in her 40s before she's eligible for parole. Um, but I do personally hope she's never released and they all remain in prison. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you there. That's definitely not when you come back from easily. I mean, you orchestrated a whole murder just because you don't pull the trigger. Right. She fully planned all of it. And for what? To be with someone? Some guy. Just some guy. It's not like, I don't know. I don't get it. But I don't get it. And I don't think, I mean, if we don't have that mindset, we will never get it. But that is the story of Jennifer Pan. To research, I used Wikipedia a lot. Read an article from the Washington Post titled Jennifer Pan, Web of Lies, Hired Killers, and Cold Blood and Murder. And watched a video on YouTube by my girl, Kendall Ray. But yeah, that's where I leave you today. Is that dark enough for you today? It's pretty dark. Dude. It's pretty dark. I mean, I just feel so bad for Han and obviously Felix, but Han. To have to live after that. Like, to have to live after that, the love of your life and, and your, your, own child. your own child. Because I think no matter what, you know, he probably always loved his daughter. I mean, obviously, and still loves her. There can't, you know, I don't think you ever hate your child and now his whole life is ruined. His whole life's different. He never returned home. He, you know, I think it took a while for the house to sell even because who wanted to buy it, you know? I mean, his whole life in the blink of probably 10 minutes was completely destroyed. And for what? In reality, like when we think about it in the grand scheme of things, for what? So she didn't have to cover her tracks anymore, I guess. That's kind of like what I'm leaning towards. So my whole thing is that like, okay, she already admitted to one part of the lie and her... she didn't get kicked out. She was still living in a very nice home. She was still getting fed. Her needs were being met. Her needs were being met. Her parents still let her go to work, even though, you know, I'm sure she was making a ton of money. But she could have been like, hey, you know, college isn't for me at this point. I just want to be a piano teacher. I just want to do this or I just want to do that. But she didn't. And now all this, now Han knows that his daughter doesn't even have a high school diploma. Well, she might not in prison, but she didn't at the time. Which means not only did your daughter murder your wife and try to murder you, she's been lying to you since she was like 12 pretty much and you know since she was in high school i don't know it's a rough one it's a rough one to think about i feel like it's hard for me to wrap my mind around it like i said earlier i don't know what could ever drive me to kill anyone but my parents you know and i hope she isn't sitting in jail thinking about how lucky she was to grow up the life she grew up with and i hope she regrets it forever i mean if she doesn't then it goes down to that narcissism for sure and i honestly i didn't look into what she was doing with her life now because i kind of hate when people are like well now in prison da, 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 da. like ugh yeah and by the end of researching this because this took a while to research i was so disgusted with her that i was like i don't even want to know what she's doing with her life i know she's in prison and she's like in her 30s but yeah i believe actually. prison can rehabilitate you but i don't know how much you know she deserves to have her family back not at all and i hope han and felix never talk to her again but that's where we will leave you today. Um, I hope you all subscribe. You can listen to this wherever you listen to podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, anywhere else. I mean, I think those are the two main ones. We're not on YouTube because we don't film it because we look ugly when we film. Um, homeless looking today, guys. We're a little homeless looking. At least we have nice lashes. Um, tell a friend, recommend it. Follow us on Instagram at is that too dark? And we will see you all in a week.
in a week. Peace out. Bye-bye.